Chapter Two of Flood Tide. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. Flood Tide by Sarah Ware Bassett. Chapter Two. Willie has an idea. On a day in June so clear that a seagull loomed mammoth against the sky, a day when a sail against the horizon was visible for miles. A day when the whole world seemed swept and garnished as for a festival, Zenas Henry Brewster drew rein before the Spence cottage, hitched the admiral to the picket fence that bordered the highway, and, ascending the bank which sloped abruptly to the road, presented himself at the kitchen door from which issued the aroma of baking bread. "'Mornin', Teeny,' called the visitor, poking his head across the threshold. "'Willie anywheres about?' Celestina, who was washing the breakfast dishes, glanced up at the lank figure with a start. "'La, Zenas Henry, what a turn you gave me!' she exclaimed. "'I never heard a footfall.' "'Yes, Willie's outside somewheres. He and Jan Eldridge have been tinkering with the pump since early morning. They've had it apart a hundred times, I guess, and like as not, they're round there now pulling it to pieces for the hundred and one Zenas Henry grinned. "'That's a queer to-do,' he remarked. "'What's got all the pumps? Bewitched, I reckon. Ours ain't working for a cent either, and I drove around thinking I'd fetch Willie home with me to have a look at it. He's got a knack with such things, and I calculate he'd know what's the matter with it. Darned if I do.' The man began to move away across the grass. Celestina, however, who was in the mood for gossip, had no mind to let him escape so easily. "'How's your folks?' questioned she, dropping her dishcloth into the pan and following him to the door. "'Oh, we're all right,' returned Zenas Henry with a backward glance. "'Captain Benjamin's shoulder pesters him some about laying, but I tell him he can't expect rain and fog not to bring rheumatism.' "'That's so,' agreed Celestina. "'What a spell of weather we've had. "'Guess it's about over now, though. "'I'm sorry Benjamin's shoulder should hector him so. "'We're getting old, Zenas Henry, that's the plain truth of it, "'and must cheerfully take our share of aches and pains, I suppose. "'Are Captain Phineas and Captain Jonas well?' "'Oh, they're nimble as crabs. "'And Abby?' "'Fine as a clipper in a breeze,' responded the man with enthusiasm. "'Best wife that ever was. "'The sun rises and sets in that woman, Celestina. "'What she can't do ain't worth doing. "'Turns off work like as if it was no account "'and grows better looking every day a doing it.' "'Celestina laughed. "'I reckon you didn't make no mistake getting married, Zenas Henry,' mused she. "'Mistake,' repeated Zenas Henry. "'And no mistake taken in the child, either,' went on Celestina, unheeding the interruption. She saw his face soften and a glow of tenderness overspread it. "'Delight was sent us out of heaven,' he declared with solemnity. "'Twas as much intended that ship should come ashore here and the three captains and myself bring that little girl to land.' 
as that the sun should rise in the morning. The child was meant for us, for us and for nobody else on earth. Was she our own daughter, we couldn't be fonder of her than we are. It's ten years now since the wreck of the Michelin. Think of it. How time flies. Ten years, and the girl's most twenty. I can't realize it. Why, it seems only yesterday she was clinging to my neck and I was bringing her home. She's grown to be a regular beauty, Celestina observed. I suppose she has. Folks seem to think so, replied Zenas Henry. But it wouldn't make an ounce of difference to me how she looked. I'd love her just the same. I reckon she'll never seem to me anyhow like she does to other people. Still, I ain't so blind that I don't know she's pretty. Her hair is wonderful, and she's got them big brown eyes and pink cheeks. I'm proud as Toffet of her. If it weren't for Abby, I figured the three captains and I would have the child clean spoiled. But Abby's always kept a firm hand on us and prevented us from putting nonsensical notions into Delight's head. Much of the way she's turned out is due to Abby's common sense. Well, the girl's a mighty nice one, concluded Zenas Henry. There's none to match her. You're right there, Celestina assented cordially. She's one in a hundred, in a thousand. She has the sweetest way in the world with her, too. A body couldn't see her and not love her. I guess there's many a young feller along the Cape thinks so, too, or I'm much mistaken, added she slyly. She must have a score of bows. Bows, snapped Zenas Henry, wheeling abruptly about. Indeed she hasn't. Why, she's nothing but a child yet. She's most twenty. You said so yourself just now. Pooh, twenty. What's twenty? Zenas Henry cried derisively. Why, I'm three times that already, and more, too, and I ain't old. So are you, Teeny. Twenty. Nonsense. But delight is twenty, Zenas Henry, persisted Celestina. What of it? Well, you mustn't forget it, that's all, continued the woman softly. Many a girl her age is married and... "'Married!' burst out the man with indignation. "'What under heaven are you talking about, Celestina? "'Delight? Marry? Not she. She's too young. "'Besides, she's well enough content with Abby and the three captains and me. "'Marry? Delight? Marry? Ridiculous!' "'But you don't mean to say you expect a creature as pretty as she is not to marry?' said Celestina, aghast. "'Oh, why, yes,' ruminated Zenas Henry. "'Of course she's going to get married sometime, by and by, maybe in ten years or so, but not now.' Ten years or so? My goodness! Why, she'll be thirty or thirty-five, and an old maid by that time.' "'No, she won't. I was forty-five before I married, and it didn't do me no hurt or spoil my chances. You might have been living with Abby all them years, though. I know it. 
He paused thoughtfully. Yes, he reflected aloud. I've often thought what a pity it was Abby and I didn't have our first youth together. It took me half a lifetime to find out how much I needed her. You wouldn't want Delight should do that, ventured Celestina. Delight? We ain't discussing Delight, retorted Zenas Henry, promptly on the defensive. Delight's another matter altogether. She's nothing but a baby. There's no talk of her marrying for a long spell yet. Peevishly, he kicked the turf with the toe of his boot. Although he said no more, it was quite evident that he was much irritated. Well, he presently observed in a calmer tone, I reckon I'll go round and waylay Willie. Celestina, leaning against the doorframe, watched the gaunt, loose-jointed figure stride out into the sunshine and disappear behind the corner of the house. What a day it was! From beneath the lattice that arched the entrance to the cottage and supported a rambler rose bursting into bloom, she could see the bay, blue as a sapphire and scintillating with ripples of gold. A weather-stained scow was making its way out of the channel, and above it circled a screaming cloud of tern that had been routed from their nesting place on the margin of white sand that bordered the path to the open sea. Mingling with their cries and the rhythmic pulsing of the surf, the clear voices of the men aboard the tug reached her ear. It was flood-tide, and the water that surged over the bar stained its reach of pearl to jade green and feathered its edges with snowy foam. It was no weather to be cooped up indoors doing housework. Idly, Celestina loitered, drinking in the beauty of the scene. The languor of summer breathed in the gentle, pine-scented air and rose from the warm earth of the garden. Voluptuously, she stretched her arms and yawned. Then, straightening to her customary erectness, she went into the house, being probably the only woman in Wilton who that morning had abandoned her domestic duties long enough to take into her soul the benediction of the world about her. It was such detours from the path of duty that it helped to win for Celestina her pseudonym of Easy Goin. Perhaps this very vagrant quality in her nature was what had aided her in so thoroughly sympathizing with Willie in his sporadic outbursts of industry. For Willie was not a methodical worker any more than was Celestina. There were intervals, it is true, when he toiled steadily, feverishly, all day long and far into the night, forgetting either to eat or sleep. Then would follow days together when he simply pottered about, or did even worse and remained idle in the sunny shelter of the grape arbor. Here, on a rude bench constructed from a discarded four-poster, he would often sit for hours, smoking his corn-cob pipe and softly humming to himself. But when genius went awry and his courage was at a low ebb, strings, wires, and pulleys having failed to work, he would neither smoke nor sing, but with eyes on the distance would sit immovable as if carved from stone. Today, however, was not one of his settin' days. He had been up since dawn, had eaten no breakfast, and had even been too deeply preoccupied to fill and light the blackened pipe that dangled limply from his lips. Yet, despite all his coaxings and cajolings, 
the iron pump opposite the shed door still refused to do anything but emit from its throat a few dry, profitless gurgles that seemed forced upward from the very caverns of the earth. Both Willie and Jan Eldridge looked tired and disheartened, and when Zenas Henry approached, stood at bay, surrounded by a litter of wrenches, hammers, and scattered fragments of metal. "'What's the matter with your pump?' called Zenas Henry as he strolled toward them. Willie turned on the intruder, a smile half-humorous, half-contemptuous, flitting across his face. "'If I could answer that question, Zenas Henry, I wouldn't be standing here gaping at the darn thing,' was his laconic response. "'It's just took a spell. That's all there is to it. It was right enough last night.' "'There's no accountant for machinery,' Zenas Henry remarked. The observation struck a note of pessimism that rasped Willie's patience. "'There's got to be some accountant for this claptraption,' retorted he, a suggestion of crispness in his tone. "'I shan't stir foot from this spot till I find out what set it to actin' up this way.' Zenas Henry laughed at the declaration of war echoing in the words. "'I've given up flying all to flinders over everything that gets out of gear,' he drawled. "'If I was to be going up higher in a kite every time, for instance, that the seaweed catches round the propeller of my motorboat, I'd be in mid-air most of the time.' Willie raised his head with the alertness of a hunter on the scent. "'Seaweed?' he repeated vaguely. Zenas Henry nodded. "'Ain't there no scheme for doing away with a nuisance like that?' "'I ain't discovered any,' came dryly from Zenas Henry. "'We've all had a whack at the thing. Captain Jonas, Captain Phineas, Captain Benjamin, and me, and we're back where we were at the beginning. Nothing we've tried has worked.' "'Hmm,' ruminated Willie, stroking his chin. "'I've about come to the conclusion we ain't much good as mechanics anyhow,' went on Zenas Henry with a short laugh. "'In fact, Abby's of the mind that we get things out of order faster than we put em in.' Genoa Eldridge rubbed his grimy hands and chuckled, but Willie deigned no reply. "'This propeller now,' he presently began, as if there had been no digression from the topic. I suppose the kelp gets tangled round the blades? That's it, assented Zenas Henry. And that holds up your engine? Uh-huh, Zenas Henry agreed with the same bored inflection. And that leaves you rocking like a baby in a cradle till you can get the wheel free. Uh-huh. There was a moment of silence. It can't be much of a stunt tossin' round in a choppy sea like as if you was a chip on the waves, commented Jan Eldridge with a commiserating grin. Taint. What do you do when you find yourself in a fix like that? he inquired with interest. Do, reiterated Zenas Henry. What a question. What would any fool do? There ain't no choice left you but to hang head downwards over the stern of the boat and claw the eelgrass off the wheel with a gaff. Genoa burst into a derisive shout. Oh, my eye, he exclaimed. So that's the way you do it, eh? 
Don't talk to me of motorboats. A good old-fashioned skiff with a leg of mutton sail in her is good enough for me. How about you, Willie? No reply was forthcoming. I say, Willie, repeated Jan in a louder tone, that these new-fangled motorboats, with their noise and their smell, ain't no match for a good clean dory. Willie came out of his trance just in time to catch the final clause of the sentence. Whoever saw a clean dory in Wilton? Jan faltered, abashed. Well, anyhow, he persisted, in my opinion, clean or not, a straight wholesome smell of cod ain't to be mentioned in the same breath with a mix-up of stale fish and gasoline. Zenas Henry bridled. You don't buy a motorboat to smell of, he said tartly. You seem to forget it's to sail in. But if the eelgrass holds you hard and fast in one spot most of the time, I don't sees you do much sailin', taunted Jan. "'Pears to me you're just adrift and goin' nowhere's a good part of the time.' "'No, I ain't,' snapped Zenas Henry with rising ire. "'It's only sometimes the thing gets spleeny. Most always—' "'Then it warn't you I saw pitchin' in the channel for a couple of hours yesterday afternoon?' commented the tormentor. "'No. That is—let me think a minute,' meditated Zenas Henry. "'Yes, I guess it was me, after all,' he admitted with reluctant honesty. "'The tide brought in quite a batch of weeds, and they washed up round the boat before I could get out of their way. Quicker in a wink we were neatly snarled up in them. Captain Jonas and Captain Phineas tried to get clear, but somehow they ain't got much knack for freeing the wheel. So we did linger in the channel a spell.' "'Linger,' put in Willie. I shouldn't call bobbin' up and down in one spot for two mortal hours lingering. I'd call it nearer being hypnotized. Zenas Henry was now plainly out of temper. He was well aware that Wilton had scant sympathy with his motorboat, the first innovation of the sort that had been perpetrated in the town. "'Hadn't you better turn your attention from motorboats to pumps?' he asked testily. "'I reckon I had, Zenas Henry,' Willie answered, unruffled by the thrust. "'As you say, if you chose to wind yourself up in the eelgrass, it's none of my affair.' Turning his back on his visitor, he bent once more over the pump and adjusted a leather washer between its rusty joints. "'Now let's give her a try, Jan,' he said as he tightened the screws. "'If that don't fetch her, I'm beat.' By this time Jan's faith had lessened, and although he obediently raised the iron handle and began to ply it up and down, it was obvious that he did not anticipate success. But contrary to his expectations, there was a sudden subterranean groan, followed by a rumble of gradually rising pitch, then from out the stubbed green spout a stream of water gushed forth and trickled into the tub beneath. Hooray! shouted Jan. There she blows, Willie. Ain't you the dabster, though? The inventor did not immediately acknowledge the plaudits heaped upon him, but it was evident that he was gratified by his success, for, as he wiped the beads of perspiration from his forehead, he sighed deeply. 
"'If I hadn't been such a blame fool, "'I'd a known what the matter was in the first place,' he remarked. "'Well, if we knew as much when we're born "'as we do when we get ready to die, "'what would be the use of living seventy-odd years?' In spite of his irritation, Zenas Henry smiled. "'I don't suppose you're feeling like tackling another pump today,' he ventured with hesitation. "'Ours up at the White Cottage has gone on a strike, too.' Instantly, Willie was interested. "'What's got yours?' he asked. "'Blessed if I know. We've took it all to pieces and ain't found nothing out with it, and now to save our souls we can't put it together again.' Zenas Henry explained. I drove round, thinking that maybe you'd go back with me and have a look at it. Course I will, Zenas Henry, Willie said without hesitation. I'd admire to. A pump that won't work is like a fish line without a hook. Good for nothing. Have you got room in your team for Jan, too? Sure. Then let's start along said the inventor, stooping to gather up his tools. But he had reckoned without his host, for as he swept them into a jagged piece of sailcloth and prepared to tie up the bundle, Celestina called to him from the window. "'Where are you going, Willie?' she demanded. "'Up to Zenas Henry's to mend the pump.' "'But you can't go now,' objected she. "'It's ten o'clock, and you ain't had a mouthful of breakfast this morning.' The little man regarded her blankly. "'Ain't I at nothin?' he inquired with surprise. "'No. Don't you remember you got up early to go fishin', and then you found the pump wasn't workin', and you've been wrestlin' with it ever since?' "'So I have.' A sunny smile of recollection overspread the old man's face. "'Ain't you hungry?' "'I don't know.' considered he, without interest. Maybe I am. Yes, now you speak of it, I will own to feelin' a mite holler. Can't you hand me a snack to eat as I go along? You'd much better come in and have your breakfast properly. Oh, I don't want nothin' much, the altruist protested. Just fetch me out a slice of bread or a doughnut. We've got to get at that pump of Zenas Henry's. I'm itchin' to know what's the matter with it. Celestina looked disappointed. I've been savin' your coffee for you since seven o'clock, murmured she reproachfully. That was very kind of you, Teeny, Willie responded with an ingratiating glance into her eyes. You just keep it hot a spell longer and I'll be back. Likely I won't be long. You've been workin' five hours on your own pump. Five hours? Pshaw, you don't say so,' mused the tranquil voice. "'Think of that. And it didn't seem no time. Well, it's a-pumpin' now, Celestina.' The mild face beamed with satisfaction, and Celestina had not the heart to cloud its brightness by annoying him further. "'That's capital,' she declared. "'Here's your bread and butter, Willie.' And here's some apple turnovers for you, and Jan, and Zenas Henry. They'll be nice for you going along in the wagon. Then, turning to see Jan, she whispered in a pleading undertone, Do watch, Jan, that Willie don't lay that bread down somewheres and forget it. 
Maybe if he sees the rest of you eaten, he'll remember to eat himself. If he don't, though, remind him, for he's just as liable to bring it back home again in his hand. Keep your eye on him. Jan nodded understandingly, and climbing into the dusty wagon, the three men rattled off over the sandy road. Willie dropped his tools into the bottom of the carriage, but the slice of bread remained untouched in his fingers. Now that Triumph had brought a respite in his labors, he seemed silent and thoughtful. It was not until the admiral had turned in at the Brewster gate that he roused himself sufficiently to observe with irrelevance, "'Speaking about that propeller of yours, Zenas Henry, it must be no end of a temper, Asper.' Zenas Henry slapped the reins over the horse's flank and waited breathlessly, hoping some further comment would come from the little inventor. But as Willie remained silent, he at length could restrain his impatience no longer and ventured with diffidence. "'Suppose you ain't got any notion what we could do about it, have you, Willie?' The old man shrugged his shoulders. "'No, not the ghost,' was his terse reply. That night, however, Celestina was awakened from her dreams by the ring of a hammer. She rose and lighted her candle, tiptoed into the hall. It was one o'clock, and she could see that Willie's bedroom door was ajar and the bed untouched. With a little sigh she blew out the flame in her hand and crept back beneath the shelter of her calico comforter. She knew the symptoms only too well. Willie was once again kitched by an idea. End of chapter 2 Recording by Roger Moline